see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. All right, guys, thank you all so much for chiming into the latest episode here, Rangers Review. Before we get into anything, Stephen, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, a lot of talk about the Rangers. They had a, I would say, a decent week. Um, definitely a game that stood out that we'll be getting into shortly. But uh, my prediction going into this week of games was 0-3. I want to say 1-2 and because you never want to do a clean sweep, not in your team's favor. But Rangers end up going one and two in their past three games. Not bad, especially in the one game that they did win. The other two weren't too hot. Um, what were your initial thoughts on it and with your prediction? How um, did they coincide with each other? Were they really far off? What was it? Um, well, the game I expected the Rangers to win was the Flyers game. They were close. They lost 4-3, I think. Um, Cried to getting a hat trick, which is always nice for you know fans. If, even if you lose to have one player have such a dominant game, Getting three goals is always a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then Friday, of course, was the first game with uh, fans in attendance. So that was for some Ranger fans a perfect opportunity to finally go to Madison Square Garden and see Alexi Lafreniere play for the Rangers. Um, and yeah, expectations were low uh, f- for most fans. Um, you're playing against the Boston Bruins, who are an older team. But still, if you look at that team on paper... It's, to me, a top three team in the league. Um, I would say the top three teams right now are Boston, Tampa, and Vegas. Um, and Boston, uh, yeah, they lost Chara, they lost Krug, but they're still a really good team. But the Rangers came out flying on Friday. Uh, six different goal scorers winning 6-2. Um, yeah, it was just it was a dominant performance by the Rangers. Great to see. Um, I know some people who were at the game. My girlfriend was at the game, and she had she had a great evening. Just you know, finally seeing the Rangers in real life and actually beating the Boston Bruins. Unfortunately, on Sunday they weren't as lucky, losing four uh, one. But the silver lining for me was that Alexi Lafreniere got assists in back to back games uh, and points in three out of his last four. Um, and I tweeted about this that, you know, he has not gone without a point in games with fans in attendance, sort of like, you know, half joking, but still it, it matters a little bit to some players. And let's hope that he's finally turned the corner now, three points in his last four games, back to back games with an assist. Um, and yeah, I think the following week we're playing the Sabres and Devils to start off and then two other games on the weekend. So we'll see how it goes for Lafreniere. But overall, I think the team played really well against against the, 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 the Flyers and the Bruins those first two games. And then the Sunday afternoon game, uh, the Bruins were just coming out flying. They, they had conceded 13 goals in the last two games in New York, seven against the Islanders, six against us. They weren't going to let that happen again. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was to be expected. Um, I thought it was a bit weird that Lemieux was fighting uh, Richie after the final buzzer. Yeah, I don't. Really, I don't really see the point. 
I mean, it would make sense if your next game in two days is against the Bruins, mm-hmm. sending a message like, okay, we'll, we'll take this up again in two days. Uh, like if this would have happened on Friday uh, and with the game on Sunday, it would have made sense. But you're going after a guy who fell on top of your goalie uh, two minutes into the game, yep. five minutes into the game, and then you wait until the 60th minute to retaliate. If you're going to retaliate, if you're going to stick up for your goaltender, don't wait until the game is over. It just made no sense to me. Um, but yeah, like I said, Blackwell uh, scored assisted by Lafreniere, and it was a pretty good assist by Lafreniere. He entered the zone, dropped past the Blackwell. It wasn't one of those one of those fluky assists that some players get. You know that, that don't really contribute to the goal. He actually set up Blackwell, and I think that's that's the the, the big positive I take from this week. The way Lafreniere has played the last couple of games, he's visibly contributing on the ice. He still shies away a little bit from making a play here or there. Um, but the points are coming out, coming now. And yeah, I think, I think the next couple of weeks are going to be good for him. Yeah, I agree. It, it's really refreshing to see Laffy finally get those assists under his belt. You know, uh, to start off the season, I don't think anyone was under the impression that Lafreniere would be on this type of streaky start to his career, even in the short season. So to see him not just have a couple goals under his belt, but also a couple assists, that's nice. And to what you just said, yes, they aren't fluky assists whatsoever. His first assist to Stromer was a beautiful pass, and then a nice setup again to Blackwell. Yeah, I think this was a really strong development week in a lot of ways for the Rangers. Outside of the final game, when you look at it against the Flyers again, Kreider's finally coming into his groove, taking advantage of his body, getting right in the crease. It's perfectly fine. I don't care how Kreider scores, as long as he's doing everything he can to score. Those are the exact type of dirty area goals this team needs from a veteran like himself. That's normally a net front presence, both on 5-on-5 five five and on the power play. So if he's not going to score constantly, taking it down the left side, as long as he's playing in front of the net and is getting those rebounds, when he scored back-to-back goals that were literally the exact same thing right in the crease, I'll take it any day of the week. And then when you look at how Igor had played throughout that entire sequence, I thought Igor was stellar against the Flyers. I really can't blame him too much for the goals that were allowed. There were on-man rushes literally left and right. The defense was abysmal to start that game, especially with the injuries that they were enduring. And then when you get on to game two against Boston, that was just, in my mind, it was a fluke game for Boston. It was also a game where the Rangers took absolute advantage of they get they took as much as they could of what boston was giving them coming off that big loss the night uh the game or the night or two nights before against the islanders where they gave up seven goals too so boston had a really bad i don't think i cannot remember the last time boston gave up 13 goals in a two-game span it feels like it's been forever maybe that's a stat for you to look up sometime because it's bizarre maybe maybe but regardless, they bounce back the following game. And yeah, the Rangers go one and two in the process. I liked a lot what I saw. Georgiev got hurt. I stayed in. He gave up a goal right away by Coyle. And then they bring in Igor. And Igor looked fine, if you ask me. Again, he was thrown into a very awkward situation as it is. But uh, it could have been a lot worse of a week for the Rangers in my mind. It's happy to see them get one win. And really could have pushed overtime in that Flyers game. So while it was unfortunate for them not to be able to do it, seeing Lafreniere produce and seeing these young guys like Miller and Fox who are just eating minutes night in and night out. These are the kind of things that I'm enjoying seeing that you and I have both stated plenty how 
we much rather the Rangers lose a game if it's high scoring or whatever it's going to be, where these young kids are actually producing and gaining the better opportunities versus it saying being a two nothing Rangers win and the two goals are from n- no shot at Blackwell, but just as an example, you know PDG Blackwell like bouncy bouncy goals to guys that aren't necessarily going to have a long term future with the team. You know that's not what we're signed up for in this rebuild. To see these other guys produce is great, but we want to see this whole team actually come together and have these individual players really start to show out and the Lafreniere is starting to do it. So I'm very excited about that. And really, is there anything else that you want to add outside of, you know, Kreider really looking strong, Mika continuing to struggle where it's beyond snake, but into an extent, I'd say um, he looks like he's still a step behind in a lot of ways. And I know he's been unlucky, unlucky. There's definitely been scenarios where it would have been nice if um, say it, the post went in some type of situation like that. But what are your initial thoughts on Mika and just this continued slump that he has had to start the season? Yeah. Um, I think when it comes to Mika as a banner this coach needs to do something. Um, I agree. Not, I'm not saying take him out of the lineup, but maybe put him on the third line, give him some easier matchups because it's not, it's not helping his confidence at all. I mean, he has had one goal in the last couple of weeks and that wasn't even a shot. He just he hit someone at the red line and the puck trickled into the empty net. It was just it was a fluke goal. Um, I do think our power play has actually gotten better the last couple of weeks because finally these people are moving around on the power play and not just static standing in the same spot for two minutes. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's so refreshing. It feels like it, it is, forever. It is. And I've been saying this, been harping on this for weeks on Twitter. I've been saying it every time we had a power play where we get a score. Again, it was one, one minute, 45 seconds of the first power play unit set up in the offensive zone, and they're not moving around. The puck goes left, the puck goes right, back to Fox. There was nothing happening. There was never a shooting lane. And then all of a sudden, Kreider starts moving around, and that opens up shooting lanes. And now the power play, I think, has four goals in the last four games. Um so, you know, the power play is finally doing what it should be doing. And if you look at other teams, and I've said this to you before, if you look at the Red Wings and the Senators, yes, overall they are worse teams than the Rangers, but at least they get the basics right. When they are on the power play, their players are moving around. When they get a breakaway, they capitalize on it. Those are the basics of hockey. If you do the basics right, yeah, okay, they'll still lose, but they'll lose 5-3, and they still got some, some decent goals. And for weeks, my biggest gripe with this Rangers team was that the only goals they were able to score were just goals where the puck bounced off of three skates and two sticks. And if you if you do that a hundred times, it only goes in once. Yeah. So it's not it's not sustainable. And that was my biggest gripe with the Rangers for weeks that the type of hockey they played, the goals they scored were not sustainable. It's not something you can build on. And now they're finally getting some goals that are sustainable. The goal by Blackwell yesterday against the Bruins is a perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lafreniere skates the puck into the zone, drags a player with him. He drops the puck backwards to Blackwell, who has open eyes, and he can just pick out a corner. That is something that's sustainable. That's something you can build on. If you have that opportunity 10 times, you're going to score at least half of the time. That's, That's a perfect opportunity. Um, and that's what, what, I, what I want to see. I want to see players create scoring opportunities and not just not just hope for a lucky bounce, which is what we've been doing uh, for four weeks this season. 
I know. It, it's been frustrating. Um, there's clearly been highs and lows throughout the year. Um, not having the proper structure in place and just having uh, goals that were not by uh, a sustainable structure, as you just alluded to, is accurate. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that that's finally coming to an end. And I'm glad to see just on the side note that Blackwell has been such a bargain for them. You know, very similar to how PDG started the season for the Rangers, where he was kind of adopting that yes for fast role to an extent and was being bounced everywhere. And when Heedle was still in the lineup prior to him getting hurt, he was on like, what, a four-game point streak or something along those lines. He hasn't done much since, but still, these role players have been key. They've definitely been looking good. Gauthier has definitely been um, taking some advantage of the more increased ice time giving to, given to him. I hope that continues because this in my mind is a huge make or break year for him at least with this rangers organization uh with kratzov looking like he may very well be arriving with the team soon and going into next year assuming that he's with the team you know uh, the competition is not going to get easier so for guys like gochier who are just in that limbo of way too good to be a a a sheller but are still not solidified as being a fully productive everyday nhler i'm hoping that he continues to find his groove but yeah, no, I think we hit the nail on the head for the past week of games. And remember, this is all without Breadman. So the fact that they were able to get their first win without Panarin since he signed with them is a big deal in itself. And in the type of fashion that they did is an even bigger deal. So say what you will say that, you know, Boston was definitely struggling, that things were not going their way, like maybe mentally. But regardless, you cannot fault how well the Rangers played that game and how st- solid they really looked throughout this past week outside that last game those first two games i think were awfully impressive in certain ways offensively speaking without Redman. so it was enticing to see them finally get that win and hopefully pranarin's case he's not out of the lineup too much longer um currently it is still um uh disclosed as to when he will return with the rangers but it does look like that we will find a resolve hopefully within the next week week and a half so i think that's a perfect segue onto uh doing a uh quick review i would say of the next week against the rangers and this is including Heedle now in the lineup it looks like that he will be playing in tomorrow night's game at the time recording this against the sabers and we'll be talking about the sabers a lot after we do this review but you have the sabers coming up on tuesday then you have two more games i believe two games straight against the devils on uh, spaced out i if uh my memory's not mistaken what days are those games um is one of them we, on- played, we played the devils on thursday okay 7 p.m and then Saturday, 1 p.m. Saturday, 1 p.m. Okay. And then, and then we played the Penguins on Sunday, 7.30. Gotcha. Yeah, I knew there was a, um, a back-to-back. I just didn't know what day. So, okay. So, two games straight against the Devils. And then going to finish off a week on, uh, in Pittsburgh. So, before we against, get... By the way, against the Penguins team, that has been struggling the last couple of weeks. Oh, yes. And I think that's putting it lightly. Um, they, um, they lost to the Islanders last night. They were shut out. It was the first time the Islanders shut out the Penguins since 1986. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that's that's saying something. Um, but what I what I like, uh, and yeah, I'm going to sound a little bit childish here or vindictive. <laughs> what I like about the Penguins falling apart, and I hope it happens, is that their first round pick belongs to the Minnesota Wild. So. Yeah, oh, that's a great I, point. Yep, yep, you're exactly right from the Jason Zucker trade. Yep, wow. uh, and it's it's not conditional, you know. They already used the condition because initially it was going to be a first-round pick in 2020. But when they lost to Mon- the Montreal Canadiens in the qualifying round, they opted to keep that draft pick, which they then traded to Toronto for, for Kapanen. Yep. 
So as a result, their first round pick in 2021 belongs to the Minnesota Wild, whatever happens. So if they become a lottery team and they win the draft lottery, that pick goes to the Minnesota Wild regardless of, of, of where that pick lands. So this is the perfect year for the Penguins to completely shit the bed and just, you know, make a fool out of themselves. And I, 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 w- I would love to see it happen again. It happened with the Senators pick in 20. 20- Oh, oh, yes. With the Carlson. 2019. What's 2019? No, 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 no. In 2019, the Senators pick went to Colorado in a Duchesne trade. Oh, pardon and me. Yes. Became, and that became fourth overall uh, because they decided to keep the fourth overall pick the year prior to get Brady Kachuk. And then last year, they got a fourth overall or third overall pick, the one they used on Tim Stutzla from the Eric Carlson trade. So we can have potentially three drafts in a row where a top five pick is changing hands. Yeah, that's bizarre. And I'm trying to think, was the number three pick um, originally San Jose's or was it the fifth pick with Sanderson? Yeah, I, think, I think the number three pick was, uh, was San Jose's. Okay, regardless, that is, that's insane to think about. Numerous years like that in a row. Where, just imagine that, especially when you look at the trades like Carlson. You know, the Sharks never had the expectation that they would be a bottom feeder like that. And it's crazy just how in a year so many things can change for a team. But, yeah, I'll, very, very interesting insight to um, say the least. So what is your init- initial prediction for the upcoming week of games? And then we'll really spend a bulk of the remainder of the episode talking about uh, the Sabres in particular. So for me personally, I'm going to go on a bold prediction here and say the Rangers go three and one with Hedl coming back in the lineup with Kako looking like he might be back in the lineup against the Buffalo as well. Then you have two games against the Devils, which will not be easy. This Rangers team has not fared great against the Devils start the year. They still need to get things going there, but these are all winnable games for the Rangers and they've done a really good job at not winning winnable games in very, in a very dramatic fashion. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling that things are going to really start to turn for them. Uh, with everyone healing up and even with Panarin out, I just feel that they do have enough structure and enough weapons currently to go three and one or two and two. But I'm going to stick with my guns and say three and one because I'm feeling optimistic. I'm going to go with two and two. Um, I think they can beat the Sabres and the Penguins. I think they have what it takes to to beat those teams with the state they're in at the moment. Um, The Devils, I think they just they're not a good matchup for the Rangers. You know, the way they play. Um, the fast-paced offense they have, um, yeah. Let's let's hope I'm wrong, but I don't think we'll be able to uh, to pull out a good result against the Devils. And it also depends on what happens with you mentioned Heedle, but Panarin. Uh, I don't know when he'll be back. And Kako, looking at his situation, um, he was added to the COVID protocol list on the twentieth. And in my, like looking at the NHL guidelines, there's two different scenarios when you're added to the COVID list. You have a minimum of 72 hours in case it's a false positive or a minimum of 10 days if you test positive or if you've come into contact with someone that tested positive. The 72 hours have already passed. So the 10 day mark is what we're looking at for Kako now, which would be Monday night, Tuesday morning, depending on what time. He was added to the COVID list. So there is a possibility he's back in the lineup for Tuesday's game against the Sabres. Okay. Um, I do expect him to be back. Um, I, he posted some pictures on Instagram of him sitting in, you know, like fully clothed in his apartment, just playing some video games. So, he, I mean, uh, my brother had COVID, had COVID, and when he had it, he was not in the mood to play video games. So, 
he's he's definitely Kako is definitely feeling better than than my brother did when he had it. Um, and there's a report that he's asymptomatic, so we'll see what happens. But if Kako is back, then we basically get our t- we get a top line back from 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 absence. Panera and Hedel Kako is is probably a line consisting of our three best forwards this season. Oh, definitely at certain points, I would say Hedel uh, to start off the year was looking like one of the better ones. Even though Panarin was always like a point per game, he started off a little slow in his step, I would say. I'm a little too passive. But started off with Heedle, then it got to Panarin, and then really, um, up until he was put on the list, Kaka was looking tremendous too, um, respectively between Kaka and Panarin. Uh, there there wasn't much to complain about. Yes, you can gripe Kaka for his points, but at this rate, uh, point production only means so much to me as to what I'm actually seeing out of him. Why isn't he getting those points? And it's been very exciting to see how much Kako has turned the page to start off the season. Yeah, what I really like about Kako's game, and I've mentioned this before, is his his defensive awareness, and that's something that don't really comes back when it when you look at the box score when it comes to points. But there was the play he made. I think it was was it against the Capitals where he was in the penalty box and he came out of the penalty box. And he immediately made a defensive play and created a turnover that led to an odd man rush going the other way. It didn't result in a goal, but it could have easily it could have easily been a goal. And those are the type of plays that you see players like Mark Stone make. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say Capo Caco is as good as Mark Stone, but he's showing glimpses of what he used to do when he was playing in the Finnish league, what he used to do when he played for the Finnish national team where he just robs players of the puck without them even realizing it. And by the time they realize it, he's already gone. He's such a, I mean, he's just so, so, so focused on the puck. And that's something that the Rangers really need. Um, and yeah, the points will come. I'm not worried about that. But getting Kako, Hedl, and Panarin back is priority number one. Truba is still three, four weeks away, I think. So I'm not holding my breath for him to come back anytime soon. Um. But yeah, offensively, I think if we, if when we play against the Sabers, uh, we should be able to beat them. Um, the Sabers have been struggling. Jeff Skinner is probably the worst performing player ever with a cap hit over nine million. It's crazy. It is crazy just how much. Like, yeah, he went all in in his in his um his contract year, and good for him. He got the bag. But man, I you can you can say what you will about all the other you know underlining factors that are going into you know say misutilization um you know just all these different things but at the end of the day when you're making that kind of money what and to see what is currently transpiring over the past year and a half it it's it's not looking too hot for buffalo and i think i think that's a perfect segue now to really talk about buffalo in particular regarding uh yes uh jack eichel eichel's a guy that us rangers fans really for the ever since it feels like the guy got acquired by buffalo rangers fans were like he'll end up a ranger one day and especially when quinn actually came in as a new head coach as we know that connection quinn eichel eichel being from bu quinn being his head coach the stars have always aligned it would seem but it's all hypotheticals right but now it seems like there's really starting to get uh some smoke to the fire how deep is that smoke? It seems like it's burning more by the day. So uh, before we break down everything, what are your initial thoughts about Eichel? And then we'll basically get into what has happened with him over the past week and why there's so much controversy going around, not just for the Sabres, but for the Rangers. Um, 
Yeah, I know that the Rangers are the preferred destination for a lot of people talking about this. Um, I'm not sure if it's the preferred destination for Kevin Adams, who's the general manager in Buffalo. Correct. Um, the, the Sabres are in a position where they hold all the cards. Now, Eichel doesn't have a no-move clause. He cannot dictate where he goes. Correct. Um, and part of this is because he's too young to have a no-move clause because, because the, as stated in the, in the collective bargaining agreement, players in their restricted free agency years, their first seven years in the league, cannot have a clause. So it's up to Buffalo where they want to trade him. If L.A. shows up and they put together a package that they like – then why not trade him out West? So you only have to play him twice a year. Um, and we've seen this before when the Ottawa senators were training Mike Hoffman, yep. they wanted to get rid of Mike Hoffman. They had offers from several teams, including the Florida Panthers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, this they, is rich. Yeah, go ahead. They took, they took the lesser deal and traded him out West to the San Jose Sharks, who then hung up the phone, <laughs> poured some coffee, picked up the phone, called the Florida Panthers and got a better deal from the Florida Panthers for the same Mike Hoffman. So Mike Hoffman ended up in the division of the Ottawa Senators anyway. And the San Jose Sharks actually got a better deal out of it by just flipping him within an hour. And so bizarre. It should, it should be a warning sign. It should be a lesson for general managers, but at the same time, the NHL is not as progressive as the NBA Mm-mm. or other leagues. Uh, general managers are very stubborn, you know, very set in their ways. It's an old boys club. They they will just do whatever they did 15 years ago because someone else did this 15 years ago and it worked. Yep. Yeah. That's this is just how they think in in some cases. So we'll see what happens with Jack Eichel. If the Rangers do acquire him. I don't think it's going to be a package that Buffalo Sabres fans are going to be super excited about. Um, the same way Ranger fans were not super excited with the return for Ryan McDonough and, J- and JT Miller. Because fans always want the best prospect. You know, they always want the shiny toy that the other team has. Absolutely. The Ra- Ranger fans wanted Sorelli. They wanted Braden Point. They wanted uh, Sergachev, uh, uh, Taylor Radish. Uh, who who's when he brother was still a more coveted Reddish. prospect. When he was still a more coveted prospect. Yes, his brother now plays for the Wolfpack, of course. Yep. Those were those were the prospects Ranger fans wanted, and it just didn't work. We ended up with Howden and Hayek. Okay, prospects, not perf- not not great, but okay. You know they're contributing. Um, the prospects that Buffalo is is getting for Eichel will probably be a little bit better, but nowhere close to. Kako, Lafreniere, Miller, they're not getting Adam Fox. And I would even go so far as to say they, they're not getting Niels Lundqvist either. I mean, it's just GMs do not trade these type of players. If the Colorado Avalanche would be interested in Jack Eichel two years ago, would they have given up Kill McCarr in a package? No. No. If the, Vancouver so, Canucks, in the, if the Vancouver Canucks were interested two years ago, would they have given up Quinn Hughes in a package? Uh, uh, I mean, Canucks management is a different story. But I'm going to lean more towards now. I mean, if you were the Canucks GM, you wouldn't, right? If if I if I was the Canucks GM at that time, I would look at what is most important for this team going forward. Mm-hmm. Was it depth at center? They do already have a star in the making who's already no, no. But, but but aside from that, aside from that, okay. the type of player Quinn Hughes 
would not be included in a package for a player like Jack Eichel. Yeah. If the Anaheim Ducks would be interested in Jack Eichel right now, would they include Trevor Zegers, their number one prospect? No. No, it I just, don't think that they not, would. It just doesn't work that way. And Nils Lundqvist is a top five defenseman outside of the NHL. And a lot of Ranger fans might not see it that way because they're just not really that familiar with him. Um, but he is as good, maybe even better than Keandre Miller. And I'll, I will, I will die on that hill if I have to. But if Nils Lundqvist is included in the Jack Eichel trade, it it will probably be like a a, a two player trade or something. Yeah, I just don't be, see it happening. Point. I just don't see it happening. On the other hand, if it does happen, for me, it would be super excited to see Rasmus Dahlin and Nils Lundqvist on the same pairing. <laughs> I mean, two players that have followed around Europe for years, and then but. Now, I, I think I think the package is going to be closer to the package that the Rangers gave up for Rick Nash with maybe a, one or two additional assets. Yeah. So something like, like Butch, Butch Nevich, Heedle, one of Robertson or Jones, a first-round pick, and then maybe a forward prospect or a second-round pick. Okay. So like let, let, me, let me hold you there because I want to basically touch on, as I'm sure you have seen over the past couple of days, what originally transpired with Eichel that really just put more fuel to the fire. He went out of his way to make it uh, known, I believe from the article that I've seen, and don't quote me on this, I will have it in the description down below too, how he was out of games due to injury, but then he came out and basically completely contradicted Ralph Kruger, their head coach, and saying that, yes, I, was, I wasn't out because of injury, however. And it was very, it's a head scratcher. That's not something you normally see. So there was a lot of back and forth going on there. And since then, there has been a further article that's come out through The Athletic. I believe it was today, if my memory's not mistaken, saying how there's just further connection between the Rangers and Eichel. Should it happen, it seems that would happen during the summer. That's what a lot of people have believed for a while now, that it wouldn't happen during the season. If anything, that happened after the year, see how Eichel does in Buffalo. And if they just continue to... Be- unfortunately for their sake be a dumpster fire in more ways than one and just trend and have another year of over the past plus decade of not making the playoffs then it'll be like okay Eichel's gone and it seems like it's having a factor in his play to an extent with his mentality and when you also look at this article in particular it was through an executive so take it as you will just because an executive says it doesn't mean you should take it you know, straight to your heart. You should take it more with a grain of salt. But the this executive quoted by the athletic did state how he does believe Eichel is going to land with the Rangers at some point. He just doesn't know when. And I found that very intriguing because if you remember going back to all the way prior to the season starting, Bob McKenzie out of nowhere just decided to tweet a somewhat of a bomb how, you know, the current relationship between Eichel, Adams, management for the Sabres as a whole, and that Eichel is not unhappy, but he, it basically is a ticking time bomb, if you will, that he needs to make sure that he's seen the proper moves made, and he's seen that with Hall and everything, but that team's already started calling and chiming in just to check in as soon as Adams became GM on the availability of Jack Eichel, and the one team that was listed, according to Bob McKenzie, was the Rangers, and that's something that many believe would possibly be readdressed over the next year. What are we seeing right now? It seems like that is starting to pick up again, so um, mm-hmm. could we see a deal happen this season where Jack Eichel goes to either no. the Rangers or somewhere? No. I highly doubt it. I don't think it, I don't think it's strong. The only way I could see that coming to fruition is if Eichel 
basically holds out. And I don't think he's the type of person to do that in the sense of what um, Dubois or Line A really was doing. Like, and the, like you know what I mean, where their play is just so to the point where it's like, why am I even on the ice where you're going to get dealt? But Eichel, through the season, 17 games in, he only has two goals. Um, not far off from Zibanejad in regards to having a slow start for our top centermen, respectively. He has 14 mm-hmm. points, however, but... It's been alarming. Uh, Sabres fans are worried, and rightfully so. And it seems that all indication at this point, unless the Sabres really uh, pull a deep run out of them, they're going to have another year of not making playoffs and another year of their star center, their face of their franchise, more frustrated than ever, and wanting to make sure that he's probably dealt before that um, that clause or um, that clause comes in with him being dealt because there's a two-year window there. Yeah, yeah. Um... You bring up the Dubois trade, which is completely different in my opinion, because that was basically a, well, it was a one for two trade, but it was basically line A for Dubois. That was, those were the big pieces, right? Oh, I'm not it talking was, about the um, the trade itself. I'm just saying like what we no, have no, seen transpire. I know, but, okay. but Eichel will probably be traded for a package, including multiple players, which yes. is why I think the trade will not happen before the expansion draft. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And, and, I because, do, and I do believe it will be multiple uh, players too, but go ahead. Because if you look at, if you look at um, the Sabres right now, the players that they want to protect, they, they are already going to hit the seven forward mark. If they're going to trade Eichel before the expansion draft and they're going to, to add two forwards, they're going to potentially lose one for nothing. So it makes no sense for the Sabres to make the trade before the expansion draft. If the trade happens, it will be in the summer during the offseason after the expansion draft. Um, I just I don't think that the Rangers are the only target. I think the LA Kings are a pretty good destination for him. Um, maybe some other teams that that want to give up some some decent players. Uh, could be an option. Uh, and again, Eichel doesn't have anything to say about this, but um, if the Florida Panthers are willing to, 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 to work on a, on, a, on a deal between Eichel and Barkov where, they, where the Florida Panthers would secure themselves a top-line center for another five years without having to negotiate a new contract, I mean, who knows? Who knows, how, who knows where that could go? Um, so, yeah, the Rangers are probably on paper the most likely destination, but I never rule anything out. On the other hand, I've seen so many players being linked to the Rangers over the years. I cannot count the number of rumors I've seen about Shane Doan being traded to the Rangers. And it I never remember happened. those days. Wow. Talk about a memory. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we, we all see it happen all the time and everyone's going to be traded to the Rangers and ultimately it just doesn't happen. Um, oh, oh I, I completely understand your point. Yeah, no, nothing nothing is for certain. But I, I, will... I, I also don't think that David Quinn being the coach has any impact on Jack Eichel wanting to play in New York or not. I mean, David Quinn was his coach in college for six months. Mm-hmm. Um, hardly something that really impacted his career in general. Um so I don't th- I don't think that is part of the equation. If the Rangers won Jack Eichel and the Sabres are happy with what the Rangers can offer, then they'll probably take it. But I don't think Gordon is the type of general manager that will overpay for any player. He's a very cautious general manager when it comes to trades. That's fair. Um, yeah, the Quinn factor is one of those things where it's not going to hurt anything. 
if anything, it can benefit the situation. But to say it's going to be a factor in a trade, no, especially when Eichel doesn't have a say in anything currently. It's just about basically like, how would you feel about it? And then he's like, you know, he'd be happy or he would not be happy about it. But in regards to the connection with the Rangers and Eichel right now, um, a couple things stand out to me. But the most is when you look at the other teams out there that have things that they can cough up, let's take the LA Kings as an example, shall we? I don't understand why the Kings would make uh, a sense for Lanny Nichol. Now, would Eichel be a great upgrade? Of course he would. But the Kings also do have a plethora of young talent in that center position that they plan to grow going forward, led by Byfield, and then you have Turcotte, and then you have plenty of others. So while Eichel would be a huge upgrade, this is a team that's still in a rebuild that is exceeding expectations in certain um, certain senses. They've had, they haven't had a terrible year at all. Gabriel Velarde is another sermon that's definitely stood out for them. Um, so the Kings, while it's not impossible, in my mind, it just doesn't feel likely for where they're where they are currently at as an organization versus where the Rangers are at. Not just um, need wise with needing another top line center, especially if Mika continues to have the type of down year that he's having. That completely changes the direction on how the Rangers view their center position as Mika going to be that number one for them going forward. If anything, this only gives them further incentive to try to go down this avenue when the timing is right, assuming that it is not going to be right now when we get into the summer. But the Rangers, they have the assets. And when you look at other teams, uh, people have talked about the Habs plenty because Eichel grew up a Habs fan, I believe, even though he's from Boston. Um, that That's a scenario that while it could happen, it could be a blockbuster. Why would Buffalo want to trade within the division like that? It just doesn't make too much sense for me, even though the best offer is always the most important thing at the end of the day. But the Rangers do have plenty of assets without having to cough up Lafreniere, Kako, Fox, yeah, and, Miller. And- and who who would play a rooch for as a kid is completely irrelevant. Kevin Hayes signed with the Rangers, even though he grew up in Boston. Oh, of course, uh, yeah. Ryder was always going to get traded to the Boston Bruins because he's from Massachusetts. Yep. Charlie McAvoy was going to be traded to the Rangers because he grew up a Rangers fan. Same with James Van Riemsdyk. Whoever a player rooted for as a kid is completely irrelevant. Carl Henriksen, uh, Rangers second round pick, uh, grew up a Washington Capitals fan. I, it, it's completely irrelevant. I mean, oh, I agree that I was just trying to further expose that. No, no, but I, and I know fans usually come up with this like, oh no, there's a picture of him when he was nine years old and he had a an LA <laughs> Kings jersey on. Like, very yeah, Tavares-esque. Oh, yeah, I mean, I've seen a picture of Vitali Kravtsov when he was like six <laughs> and playing goalie in an LA Kings jersey. I mean, it doesn't mean was that doesn't mean we're going to trade him to the <laughs> LA Kings, but. You know, I think I think the, the Buffalo Sabres will just trade him to whatever team offers the most enticing package, with maybe a tendency to prefer a trade out west because that's still how general managers think. No, I agree. Um, if if say let's say for example the Rangers find themselves in somewhat of a bidding war when it comes to uh, pushing hard for Eichel once the season's done. Um, I think the Rangers, as long as they put their right mind to it, can get a deal done. I doubt that the Sabres would take a lesser deal um, to ensure that he goes out west. Um, It just wouldn't make sense for them as an organization. But it depends yeah. on how much lesser of a deal it is, though. Oh, correct. But like even taking this year, for instance, depending on when the deal would happen, um, I know that we're talking possibly, you know, after the normal uh, the normal draft, but like. If the Rangers toyed with getting rid of their top pick this year, which is something that may very well be a top five pick, depending on how the season continues. They're not going to. 
I don't think I don't think that they're going to. My point is, is that if that is thrown out there, it would just be further enticing. So now, look, there's there's probably one player in the league I would even consider giving up a top five pick for in a package. And that's Conor McDavid. That's it. I agree. Maybe, maybe Nathan McKinnon. But for there's this no year, other for this year. I would still take McKinnon, no doubt, for that top five. There's pick. no other play. There's aside from those two. There's no other player in the league that I would include a top five pick for in a package. No. Even I even in do, a draft that's viewed as fairly weak versus last year. I, no, I would. I wouldn't do it for Eichel. I wouldn't do it for Matthews. No. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I mean, I I understand it, especially when you look at where the team is currently at. But is that something that you stand behind regardless of what team it would be? And to quickly circle back on the top five picks we discussed previously, yeah, those were traded before they were top five picks. There's a big difference between oh, you're Senators yeah. and the Sharks and the Penguins trading a first-round pick then completely in hindsight shitting the bed, and then, or in the Penguins' case, I hope they do, uh, completely shitting the bed and that pick be- – turning into a top five pick. That's completely different from the Rangers a week before the draft saying, yeah, we have this fourth overall pick. Let's package it with some players for Jack Eichel. But that's not going to happen. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think it would be. I don't think it would be in that type of manner at all. No. But when I no. do look at the players and just to kind of wrap things up on Eichel, um, if there's one prospect that does stand out to me, not that I want to see it happen, but one that I think could make plenty sense at the right price is Kratzov. Um, he's not someone that I want to see go, but when you look at the current assets, the Rangers, I would assume would be willing to give up. And when you look at how certain players are blocked, um, he is the biggest name in the prospect pool. I could see being dealt with him really headlining it outside of that. You're looking at, yes, a Robertson or a Jones. I really, um, I love both of them. I'm not going to discredit either of them. I'm a huge fan of Jones though. I've just, I've seen a lot more of Jones's game than I have Robertson not to down him in any manner, but I really like Jones. I hope, I hope neither of them go, but the Rangers do have that defensive help to really mm-hmm. um, sway the Sabres in that aspect because they don't have, when you look at them defensively, especially in their prospect pool going up, they don't have too much there, not nearly on the level that the Rangers do. Yeah, and and Kravtsov is a, a prospect that I like a lot, of course, mm-hmm. but he's someone I'd be willing to include in a package for either Eichel or Barkov. I've, I've spoken about Barkov many times, and I think his contract situation is a better fit with our timeline, with our cup window, because we can sign him in 2022 for seven years and it takes him all the way to 2029, which is basically the end of the decade. He will cover the entire decade-long window that we're planning on having, whereas Jack Eichel is unrestricted free agent in 2026. When he's 30 years old, you're going to have to commit to a long-term deal at big money because he comes off a $10 million contract already. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you want to commit a $13, $14 million contract at that stage for a player that is going to turn 30 later that year? That's that's a big question. That's a big question that I wouldn't feel comfortable answering now. I just think Barkov is a better fit. But then again, there have been no rumors that Barkov is even available. So, But if Barkov is available, if the Florida Panthers are willing to move him and avoid losing him for nothing, I think Kravtsov is probably the first prospect they they will ask for um he of course he has a history with Denisenko who's in there who's in their system mm-hmm. um, 
So yeah, I think I think Eichel Barkov are my are my top two targets. Leaning a little bit more to Barkov because I think it's just a better fit. Yeah, no, Barkov would help tremendously with his two way game. He's one of the most underrated guys. Same thing with his linemate a lot of times in Huberto. Both of them are have been tremendous for the um, Panthers for years now. And yeah, and and Eichel and Barkov are two two drafts apart, but Barkov's only one year older because Barkov was a late birthday, mm-hmm. born in uh, September. And Eichel uh, shares a birthday with me, October twenty eighth. Oh, nice! Uh, <laughs> That's fine. Um, but but I, so yeah, they're, they're one year apart. I just think Barkov's contract situation is a better fit for the Rangers. You can extend him for seven years in twenty twenty two. It just fits perfectly with our window. I agree. I just um, when you're weighing the two options. Doesn't feel nearly as likely, and that's why the whole Eichel thing is sparking up because Barkov is like, why would it make any sense in the Sabers right? I mean, not Sabers, pardon me, the Panthers right mind, unless they did some type of retool getting rid of Barkov when they struggle mightily with their center depth, like big time, what they've lost even over the past year. It wouldn't. That does not add up to me. And they're a team that isn't terrible on paper right now. They've had some guys stepping up. They still have young guys in Dennis Seiko, Owen Tippett. that have some promising futures. Bobrovsky's been their big, been the biggest thing holding them back, I would say. Um, even with their defensive woes. Uh, you know, when you have Chris Strieger, who's the number one between the two, more often than not. Um, you know, it just I just feel for Panthers fans. If only they could have gotten um, Dale Talon out of there, you know, a year before. Things could be much different. Yeah, um, I saw someone, uh, I think it was the NHL, they they tweeted about Chris Dreger, and the caption was, the Florida Panthers are showing us you don't, you don't always have to overpay for a goalie. Mm-hmm. And I commented by saying that's a weird way uh, of or, that's that's a weird thing to say about an organization that literally overpaid for a goalie. But I, I know it's contradictory. <laughs> so yeah, Dreger is 850k, and and he's playing better this season than Borowski, arguably. So I know it's, um, it's impressive. We'll see. But yeah, so I I think we hit everything nail on the head. We gave our predictions. You're thinking two and two for this next week. I'm thinking three and one. Feeling optimistic, probably wrong, but that's okay. That's what we do here. So uh, before we wrap things up, if there, is there anything else you would like um, us Ranger fans to know, Stephen? Yeah, uh, two quick things. Uh, Nils Lindqvist um, tied the record for most points by an under 21 defenseman in SHL history with 73. Beautiful. Uh, Scored his 28th goal, now t- uh, second all-time behind Thomas Jonsson, who played for the Islanders in the 80s. Uh, only needs three goals to tie that record, and he has six games left. But most importantly, um, the general manager of his team, Lulio, came out today and said um, that they fully expect him to not be on the team next season. Not that that's a surprise to me. I mean, I've spoken to his family. I've spoken to some of his teammates. I've spoken to some people within the Lulio organization who told me the exact same thing. Uh, Nils Lundqvist is coming over this season, and I fully believe it's going to be as a Ranger, not as a Buffalo Saber. No, I, I um, hope not. Even as exact <laughs> as that would be about Eichel, I, I do not want to see Nils go. We need another Lundqvist yeah. back with this team. Yeah, and the other thing is Levi Altonen, one of our other prospects in yes. Finland, um, has moved to a different team in Liga. He's moved to Kuku. Uh, which sounds hilarious, uh, but it is it is one of the other teams in Liga in the highest finish in the Finnish Elite League. Uh, signed a contract until the end of the 2022-23 season, nice. which coincides with when his NHL rights expire. But of course, with the transfer agreement the NHL has with Liga, the Rangers are still able to sign him any summer. 
until they lose his rights. So, um, yeah, those are the updates when it comes to prospects for now. Uh, Kravtsov, oh, sorry, Kravtsov is starting his uh, his first playoff round this week. And then whenever the- that's done, he might be heading over. Uh, when that's done, yeah. Um, they are the uh, lower-seeded team in the first round. They finished fifth. They played the number four. Uh, Salavat Yuleyev Ufa, um, team that Rodion Amirov plays for, the Maple Leafs first-round pick. Yeah, he's been um, playing solid. Yeah, he's had a really good season. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what Tartar Chelyabinsk is doing in the playoffs. Once they're eliminated, I expect Kravtsov to make his way to New York. Probably has to quarantine for 10 days, and then he can join the team. Yeah, exciting stuff. Uh, we might actually see a um, decent um, to fairly significant impact with Kratzov for uh, you know the next, the final upwards of 15, 20 games, give or take. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. But that's exciting. I, I I wasn't even fully under the impression that Kratzov would be with the team at all this year outside of maybe just a cup of coffee uh, right at the end. It all depends on their playoff run again. So not that I wish that um, you know he his team is swept by a stretch of the imagination. I'm just very much looking forward to whenever he's going to hit uh, MSG. Yeah, let's let's put it this way. For me personally, looking at or, or as a fan looking at Kravtsov, the best thing for him is to go as far as possible in the playoffs. It's a great experience. Second best league in the world. Yep. Um, you know, try to go as far as you can and then come over at the end of the season. And if he doesn't play for the Rangers, he'll play next season. It's fine. Yeah. He's only 21 years old. We just need to be patient. I'm just happy that he's having a good season in Russia and that he's going to make it's going to make his appearance in the playoffs again. I am too. I'm very much looking forward to it. I believe he scored in back-to-back games to finish the regular season as well. We're close to, because I know he scored in his last game. So, great, um, great yeah, stuff. He, the final game of the season, he tied it with five seconds to go, and they won that game in overtime. Yeah, no, that's great. But great insight, as always, Stephen, with the prospect reports. And again, thank you all so much, Rangers fan, for checking out our latest episode of Rangers Review. Um, thank you kindly, and all I got to say is let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.